what side of the virtual hardwood, it's the MLSC Podcast. This is episode 516. I'm Andrew, Andrew No Forum, Andrew MLSC on X. With me as always, my co-host Derek, DP3 No Forum, and DP3G and DP384 on X. Derek, good to be talking to you as always. Lots to talk about this week. Yeah, we have a jam-packed show, Andrew. So I'm going to give a rundown of its structure for our listeners uh first we are going to discuss a recent nba live kick that andrew and i are on we've been connecting all week on parsec Uh, part of that is because i had surgery on february 12th to reconstruct my acl and so i am mostly bed bound i'm not moving around too much so i've had a little bit more time to connect on basketball video games Next, we're going to be giving ours and the community's top three most played NBA lives of all time, followed by us touching on the fact that some major influencers in the basketball gaming space are finally speaking up about the microtransaction BS, specifically how Take-Two's lawyers called VC, quote-unquote, fiction. We will also discuss the My Team drama centered around a 100 overall Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and how that ties into gambling mechanics. We will finish the show by celebrating Michael Jordan's 61st birthday, where we talk about ours and the community's favorite game to use MJ in and our favorite MJ moments in real life. So we we get a lot to go over in the show. Absolutely. It's been really fun playing live with you throughout this week. Really on that live kick, as you said, MJ's 61st birthday, always a great opportunity to talk about MJ. We'll never turn that down. And yes, not as pleasant a topic, the My Team Greed, though it is nice to see more influencers finally uh, coming out against fictions, as they're calling them, against microtransactions, as you said. But it was really great to hear that your surgery went well, obviously, and that it wasn't as bad as originally thought. But yeah, I I imagine you are going a bit stir-crazy being bed-bound like that, so glad I could play a part in uh, taking your mind off it. Yeah, the best part of it is the fact that my pain on a scale of 1 to 10, has been basically a 1 the entire time. I really haven't had pain post-surgery. And, and part of that is because I'm lucky that my girlfriend is not only a physical therapist, but you know she took the week off from work. So she's been with me you know, doing the pain management and whatnot uh, related to Tylenol, you know, Advil, et cetera. And um, you know, I get physical therapy in the home as well. And, you know, she's, you know, right before we recorded this episode, uh, she also cooked me dinner. So she's the best. Um, but yeah, the, so the meniscus piece was supposed to be a lot worse going by the MRI. In fact, they called it a meniscus root tear. And um, the doctor thought that he was going to have to do a major repair to the meniscus, including possibly anchoring that root. And it turned out that it was only a very small minor tear in my meniscus which he was just able to clean up so the major portions of the surgery was to reconstructing my acl and plugging that femur fracture and so yeah the six to eight weeks on crutches sucks but you know i've been able to create a lot more content for the nlsc you know you know for on X and then on YouTube and on the Discord and on the site and whatnot. I've been able to connect with you and Stildo and whatnot, and I plan on connecting with other community members as well. So there's a silver lining in it, and uh, I just need to get through the six to eight weeks without being able to walk. Absolutely. You know, not to compare situations, uh, it wasn't nowhere near your injury, but I had a situation last year with the health-wise where I was uh, 
uh, bed-bound as well and <laughs> had trouble getting around. Again, nowhere near as uh, serious as your situation, but I'm glad to hear that it wasn't as, uh, as serious as originally hoped. That was great when they got in there and, and did that. Sounds like you're getting the best care. You know, shout out to your missus, obviously. All of that stuff. And getting you retro consoles for Christmas. You know, what a keeper. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm incredibly lucky. Speaking of serious injuries, Andrew, related to basketball, we connected on NBA Live 97 for PS1, and we used Grant Hill's Pistons, uh, which is actually a fun video game team in the mid-'90s um, because they have Joe Dumars, and then at another, another point they have Grant Hill and Jerry Stackhouse on the court, so two you know perimeter slashers and whatnot. Um, but this was the Grant Hill-Joe Dumars pistons versus the chris weber and incredibly overdone george mirasan <laughs> washington bullets um in this session uh andrew and i played co-op and used the pistons mirasan had 28 points and 10 rebounds and we had no answer for him he was cleaning up every board he was scoring effortlessly at the basket he's incredibly fast in that game like most players are and we were absolutely Helpless. I mean, what what did we expect Grant Long to do, really? Andrew? Yeah, against uh, against uh, Will Chamberlain, aka George Murasan. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so we got torched by him. Um, Chris Weber did his, you know, his usual damage from the mid range and throwing it down on us and whatnot. Um, so they were the stars of the show. Uh, we lost that game, six minute quarters, uh, lost by about twenty. But the highlight of the game was where Andrew stole the ball with Grant Hill at half court and grant hill still turned sideways um, think think of like l- playing defense laterally kind of moonwalked his way from half court all the way to the hoop and threw it down I- i've played a lot of nba live 97 andrew and i've never seen that glitch before but it made for some funny x content and in discord content and yeah that was that was something yeah, that was pretty funny to see. I've never seen that either, getting locked in the animation like that with Live 97. Happened a couple of times I saw kind of going sideways like that, but that was the funniest example of it. And as soon as I said it, as soon as we saw it, you know, we're going back and forth on X in our uh, in our chat, uh, laughing about it. And, and I said, you've got to put that to, to beat it. Or I, I said beat it. Probably could use any Michael Jackson song, I suppose. But for some reason, beat it just worked. Yeah, I right after you said that, I started putting the video together, <laughs> and it only took a few minutes, and it came out perfect. Uh, a couple notables on that session, um, we were 9% from three going into the fourth, and then all of a sudden, like video games do, you know, be random, uh, we started lighting it up with Joe Dumars from the three-point line. But yeah, 9% from three going into the fourth is what kind of got us into that hole that we were never able to dig out of. And then, you know, no dribble move options in NBA Live 97. The game is very primitive. It's very simple. And, you know, you play that game and then you play NBA Live 98 after and you realize how big of a jump that was. Uh, oh, yeah. There's just a lot more variety to the gameplay in NBA Live 98. The CPU is smarter. Um, you, the shooting feels better. Uh, you have your dribble moves. Um, you po- you can post up all of that stuff. So like, I think that NBA Live 98 is one of the bigger jumps in oh, the live definitely. series. Huge, uh, one year huge over jump. Next. And, and of course, yeah. we, we were also getting screwed over by 
the Falcons getting knocked to the floor, and at the other end, any kind of contact was getting a free throw for the Bullets. Uh, we were just not getting any kind of calls, getting knocked down inside or the or knocked down on steals, and and also some shots around the rim just really screwed on these inside shots. It, it wasn't all on us. No, I also want to point something out. The all of these sessions that you're going to hear Andrew and I had, um, I was actually hosting off Wi-Fi, and it worked just awesome for some of the best actually yeah 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 some of the best tweaked some parsec settings as well uh before we connected and i found some even better settings so i'm gonna have to post those in the nlsc forum as an update but um yeah my upload speed is ridiculous on wi-fi and yeah we the, the sessions were perfect let's put it that way uh we also connected on nba live 2004 where we controlled the warriors and we were against chris weber again and the Sacramento Kings. It's funny how that happens. I feel like we play against Chris Weber a lot. So in this game, we did pull out the win and that's mostly because we rode Jason Richardson until the final buzzer because Jason Richardson at that time was a dunk contest champion. He was a high flyer in the league, super exciting player. And Basically, Andrew and I just were torching the computer in triple threat. And what's so great about NBA Live 2004, Andrew? That triple threat. Oh, you know, yeah. Getting that first step, um, doing a spin move um, when facing away from the basket, like a quick spin spin move to the hoop, um, et cetera. And the fact that chaining together dribbles is so rewarding in that game. But one of the biggest weaknesses of NBA Live 2004 showed its head because we were playing on, I want to say, all-star is when the defense is as tight as it is on the higher levels you really have to ride that jump stop yes and it becomes something that you use far more often than you would need to in real life so that video is going to be up on the nlse youtube and you'll see a few dunks and layups from jason richardson where we're really really counting on that jump stop to pull us through the paint and get to the rim. I think we did a really good job with Live 2005 and Live 2006, making that jump stop not as effective. If you don't use it right, you end up bumping into the defender, and your guy ends up kind of dropping the ball and whatnot. So I think they did a good job cleaning that up a little bit after NBA Live 2004. So, um, yeah, the triple threat, that was awesome. Jason Richardson carried us. We did have Nick Van Exel on that team who did hit a couple threes, for us but the play of the game was from andrew and we were down by one and andrew gets an inbound steal with petrus who is a video game legend uh, we used to call him the french jordan in my house in these games because he just he was faster than he was in real life he could shoot the three he could slash etc and i mean a lot 2004 though he's not a super player per se he's actually um quite a bit slower than Jason Richardson and whatnot, but he got an inbound steal. He took it from half court. The defender is chasing him all the way down the court and he throws it down to give us a one point lead. Uh, and the Kings had one more shot to score and they were not successful. So Petrus uh, was the hero for that game. Very exciting finish. Thanks to virtual hardwood legend, Mikhail Petrus for sure. I, uh, I loved Live 2004. It is one of my all-time favorites. And I had to get used to Live 2004 again because when I played, I made a lot of slider adjustments, Derek, to try for more realistic uh, speed and 
statistics in my dynasty, my Chicago Bulls NBA Live 2004 dynasty. So I'm not used to playing Live 2004 at that default more up-tempo pace. So I was a little bit thrown at first. I felt like I did adjust as the game went on. That 10-man freestyle actually adding physicality so that you can bump the ball handlers and have those interactions. The the off-ball movement where you can use the right stick to make spins and jukes and everything. Just, again, you talk about the jump from 97 to 98. That was huge, of course. But even 2003 to 2004. And 2003 brought in freestyle control. So it was a pretty revolutionary game in its own right. But 2004 just really took live into that second, what I call that second golden age, 2004, 2005, and 06, of really strong releases before disaster. Right, and I see why NBA Live 2004 was preferred by a lot of gamers over ESPN NBA Basketball, because you just have more control, Andrew. You have more control over your player. You have control over your dribbling because of the right stick usage. You have more control over your triple threat moves. You have more control in the post. There's just a lot more you can do in live 2004 and um it's it's the reason why we stuck with it so long when i was younger as well me and my brothers we played the hell out of this game right and i still play it today and see why like it's a great basketball video game what's funny about live 2004 and the sliders and whatnot is even though they made the game speed 60 by default in nba live 2004 it is still a lot slower than NBA Live 2003. That's how zany and crazy Live 2003 really is. Yeah. I remember connecting with you on uh, at Live 2004 a couple of years ago, and we were using your 95-96 roster mod, and the gameplay was a lot slower paced than what we experienced on this session because you were using those sliders, right, with the game speed towed down and making it feel more like, I don't know, more like real basketball. Right. So um, I've experienced both and I can take either. Like, I think both can be fun. Oh, it's a great game with great mechanics. So if you get that slider set that really gives you the style you want, it is still a sim game at its core. So even when it's up tempo like that, it is still a blast as a sim experience. But I did like having those sliders adjusted for realism. I was really about that at the time. I still do like that kind of realism, of course, and still appreciate that. But I can... Uh, play up-tempo as you can uh, have a bit more of a looser experience and that's uh, a lot of fun as well 2004 one of my all-time favorites as I said late last year when I did my top 25 uh, all-time favorite basketball video games and yeah I will never turn a never turn down an opportunity to revisit that or Live 06 PC which we also visited this week Uh, And that's the next one I wanted to touch on, because that's Andrew's favorite basketball video game of all time. And I know that deep down inside, he wants to admit that it was his favorite session that we had. Um, We used the 80s All-Stars versus the 90s All-Stars. And again, all of these sessions for Andrew and I, we play co-op. We love playing co-op. Now Stildo and I are also playing co-op, and we had a blast today connecting on NBA 2K19. There's something incredibly special about working towards a common goal in a basketball video game right um making great plays sharing those highlights sharing those experiences it never gets old so for this session we actually switched it up andrew pretty much every single time we've used a decade all-star team we've used the 90s why because of michael jordan of course yep because he's your favorite player of all time i think he's the greatest of all time uh, the most aesthetically pleasing game of all time etc and just we our favorite area era basketball basically is the 90s 
right? But this time I wanted to switch it up. So we used the 80s. So we used Dr. J, Magic Johnson, Kareem, who Kareem was just the star of the show for the most part in that game on offense and defense. He was excellent. Um, And then, you know, we have Isaiah Thomas, Larry Bird, Moses Malone, etc. So I just want to point something out. What you lose from Jordan by not using the 90s All-Stars you get some of that back with Julius Irving. Of course, right? the dunking. That yeah. high-flying play, the triple threat play, that quick first step in throwing it down. He has the freestyle superstar dunking, so you're posterizing people. I know you were having fun with that. You were using him constantly. Yeah. And, you know, trying to cross over, get into the lane and throw it down. Those highlights are up on the NLSE YouTube, and you can see some of Andrew's dunks with the doctor. Um, and Nick. Kareem with his – and Neek. So – I brought Neek off the bench in this game. He's naturally a bench player on the roster, but when I brought him off the bench, Andrew immediately went in for a dunk. It was like (laughs) right after he came into the game. He also had a dunk later with him. And there was also a point in time where instead of putting Gervin back in the game as a starter, I just left Neek in because is there a more exciting dunker than Dominique Wilkins in the 80s? It's it's hard to say. Yeah. Right. I mean, because look, I, I mean, MJ Jordan, said, but, Jordan but Neek, and yeah. Dr. Yeah. Irving, Jordan and Neek. Right. In the 80s are just high flying fun. So, yeah, he was a blast as well. Kareem on defense was a lifesaver. Right. So he has the freestyle blocking and he was just gobbling up shots left and right, swatting shots out of bounds, getting us out on the fast break. He's also incredibly athletic in that roster so we were throwing him alley-oops um he was scoring pretty effortlessly inside he has the scorer freestyle superstar so you can turn and fade with him there was a couple of those on the video you'll see that um and those jump shots look absolutely awesome and completely dominant how many times did we make a fancy pass with freestyle passing with magic i mean we must have thrown 30 of the freestyle pat um freestyle superstar passes with I mean, I mean, we just so fun. It, even if we didn't need to. <laughs> we just kept trying. Yeah, there's a couple. We, we got turnovers on a couple, let's face it. Yeah. But it was worth a try. But, you know, going over his shoulder is one button. There's another button where he goes behind his back. There's another one where he throws like a no-look bounce pass like he did so many times in real life. You can, and, you know, if you're a real basketball fan, you can vi- envision what I'm talking about. You can see it in your head. Um, but, yeah, it was so much fun using that 80s all-star team we did end up picking up the win but as we were talking well like we were talking about on x um during and after the game mj on the other side was doing a lot of mj things he had an acrobatic layup where he jumped into the defender and threw it up over his head and it went nothing but net and got to the line so an and one um there was a huge poster dunk that he had in the second half he also hit um a buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter and Andrew messaged me and he goes, yeah, I mean, I can't complain about that. It's MJ. Yeah. What are you going to do? That's very realistic. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? He was hitting mid-range shots on us. He actually kept them in the game. And um, Stockton also killed us. He was hitting a bunch of outside shots. But NBA Live 06 PC, offensive mechanics, defensive mechanics, the rosters, everything. Just that game is awesome. It is. And we were using one of the last – NLSC rosters, so that is why Michael Jordan is in that game. He's not in there by default. Neither is Pippen, neither is Hakeem, neither is David Robinson. Uh, I think Stockton might also be missing as well. Stockton and Malone, they are modded in from memory. So 
those those are missing legends. They all worked really well, so I'm pretty pleased. Always pleased when I revisit an old roster and it holds up. <laughs> My work holds up as far as players performing like they're supposed to. That was obviously the goal for it, and it's uh, when it seems to hold up as well as I remember it with all the work I put into it. Always very satisfying. But yeah, it was interesting to play with the '80s All Stars as opposed to the '90s. I was when I saw you doing that, I thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. Going against the '90s All Stars. And yeah, MJ was very difficult to contend with, as he should be, as he absolutely was. But uh, it's such a fun session. 06 is uh, a very special release, very moddable, very fun, very playable. The changes they made to Dynasty mode, bringing in the staff hiring, uh, was uh, an upgrade over Live 2005 and 2004, being a bit more of a video game approach where you had to get points off, off the task list to unlock training sessions and things like that. 06 went a bit more sim. I really enjoyed it. Played those two seasons and, and counting in my Live 06 Dynasty with the Bulls. Uh, I do love 2004 and 2005 as well, but 06 really was, uh, really was special. And it's also special for me because they released it early in Australia. They accidentally put it on the shelf early. I remember actually working at, uh, uh, working at the internet company that I was at the time and seeing that online. Somebody posted in the forum that it's been released in Australia early. Uh, my mum was out running errands, so I said, you know, uh, I actually gave her a call when I was at work and said, could you pick this up for me and I'll uh, transfer you the money afterwards pay you back. And uh, yeah, so I got Live 06 early. And of course, we talked about it because we made a big deal of it. It never happened again. Uh, well i also want to point out two things one you you mentioned stockton and malone and jordan not being in the game and all of that stuff um and you know how they were modded in it's a lot easier to do that in the older games yes when the graphics are a little bit more primitive because you would never know from that broadcast view that they weren't all officially in the game right it's just easier to do back then and to kind of get away with it um the other well they, they all had piece, re, re, they all had real faces they did too yeah and they and they look great right yeah. but to mod and create those faces it doesn't take three to four to five hours right True. or a day or yeah. two days like i remember working on cyber faces for uh you know 2k21 and 2k22 and even 2k20 and whatnot the and last... i remember there was a couple of faces that took i don't know two or three days Oh, absolutely, yeah. The 3D modeling wasn't as... Uh, it's definitely more intense in working with uh, modern models, if you will. So we were able to put those together much easier. And of course, you only had about 20 ratings in those games as well. So creating missing players didn't take as long as it does now when you've got to go through all the tendencies. I mean, this is important that they have those tendencies and all of those attributes. But when there was only 20 to 25 in the game, rusters came together a little bit quicker. Exactly. And before we end the discussion on NBA Live 06 for the PC, I'll, I'll say again, like I've said on previous episodes, the best defensive mechanics in NBA Live's history. Mm. That is 100% my opinion, but I will stand by it. Before we go on, a reminder that the NLSC podcast comes out every week on the NLSC, mb-live.com, as well as our YouTube channel. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast apps. If you're listening on any of those apps, we'd greatly appreciate a review. To keep up with the show and everything we're doing with basketball gaming in general, connect with us on social media. On Twitter and Facebook, we are The NLSC. We also have an Instagram, NLSC Basketball. And on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash Center. Once again, visit us at nba-live.com, where in addition to the podcast, you'll also find all of our original content, as well as our forum and modding community. So the next game, Andrew, that we're going to discuss 
is the game that didn't kill the live series. I will stand by that. This is not the game that killed the NBA Live series or set it back in a major way. We connected on NBA Live 06 for the Xbox 360. What a great game in comparison to NBA Live 07, the game that truly <laughs> yeah. killed the series. Yeah. Um, I mean, 06 so did some we, damage. 06 did some damage in so much as not right, having Right, because it lost the depth, right? Like, they got they, they didn't put the super freestyle superstars in there, so there wasn't as much signature style. Um, it was incredibly poor depth wise and compared to the pc in comparison to the pc version of nba live 06 or many past titles even one like nba live 2000 they got rid of the legends all of that stuff it was a very weak season mode in that game so no a rocky they, start yeah it was a rocky start but they could have easily rebounded from that game just kind of adding depth to it keeping the graphics as it was like as it was like those graphics are really good oh they are <laughs> NBA Live the 06. you get a look at the reviews and people say the graphics are awesome the gameplay is enjoyable the depth sucks and, and that's and right people, exactly but people remember they don't remember that Derek. they think oh the, ga- the whole game sucked everything about it no people no. no people said the gameplay is fine the graphics awesome well they said the gameplay is more than fine it was at least fine, if if you will. I think it's more than fine. People enjoyed the gameplay. The graphics were impressive. I think far more graphically impressive than 2K6, and I do enjoy 2K6, but the depth didn't match up to 2K6, and that was the problem. Yeah, it also goes completely against what a lot of people say, that you know NBA Live has always been arcade, right? Or has yeah. always been super unrealistic and always going that route um, you know, with their game design. That is complete BS. One of the biggest issues with NBA Live 06 for the 360 is even when you jack up the game speed to 100, which I did for our session, the players are still crawling up and down the court. They're, the players are only quick um, or fast when you're using a quicker, fast player to do like a triple threat move, right? But if you're running up the court with Allen Iverson, he, 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 he could basically be Jahidi White out there. Right, he is a slug, and you're using turbo. <laughs> probably more likely players... to dunk than JD White, though. <laughs> Based on two, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's probably more likely, yeah, exactly. Especially in NBA Live 2002, but they slowed down the pace in such a big way on NBA Live 06 for the 360. You can tell by the way the graphics look that they were going for Super Sim um, because of the pace, because of how much they slowed it down, all of that stuff. So give me a break with that. So anyway, so for for this session. Andrew and I used the Portland Trailblazers versus Kevin Garnett's weak Timberwolves team. So originally we were going to use the Timberwolves, but they didn't have Spreewell. No spree. He wasn't there for them. He's on the free agent list in that game, but he didn't play for them in the 0506 season. So I'm, I'm sorry, but it's not as fun using Trenton Hassel and Wally Zerbiak. Like I'd, <laughs> right. I'd like to use a wing slasher like a dynamic wing player like Sprewell was in 0304 and whatnot for that Timberwolves team so instead of using the Timberwolves we were like all right we're going to pick a team with a slasher somebody that's going to be fun for us to use maybe we can make a highlight dunk etc so I chose Portland so they have Darius Miles and Zach Randolph and those two are the primary reasons why we had a good time in this game Darius Miles, uh, much Outlaw, like Jason. Virtual Hubbard legend Travis Outlaw. Let's, let's give credit where it's due. So Travis Outlaw probably had eight points, but they were excellent because they All came from Travis Outlaw. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Um, Darius Miles, uh, in a similar way to Jason Richardson, just without the 
you know, good outside shooting allowed Andrew and I to have fun with those awesome mechanics, the, you know, the right stick dribbling, the, the right stick, triple threat, um, the flying over the defense for dunks, getting out on the fast break. And then I started absolutely destroying Kevin Garnett in the post and whoever was on me with Zach Randolph in the second half. And how good is the post game Mm. in NBA live Oh six for the three sixty. The spinning right, spinning left, the hook shot over the defense, the turning over the shoulder, shooting the fadeaway, um, you know, getting that quick spin on a defender and then throwing it down and whatnot. They're not rocket dunks really in that game. The dunks look pretty good. Um, you know, Zach Randolph also was able to stretch the floor, so hitting mid-range shots with him. Um, so, yeah, Miles and Randolph were the keys to our success and our fun. But we also had Theo Ratliff, Andrew. And Celtics legend Sebastian Telfair, not really. Um, Juan Dixon, Steve Blake, and of course, video game legend Travis Outlaw. So a strange Blazers team, but we made the most of it. And that session was actually really fun. A pretty good video game team, just from that assortment of young talent, high flyers, slashers. There was that windmill. Was the windmill with uh, Darius Miles or Outlaw? I want to say it was with Outlaw. It was with Outlaw. Yep. Okay. Um, Darius Miles had multiple layups where he adjusted his shot. That's right. Um, in the air, and he also had a few driving like tomahawk jams. But how about that broadcast view? That actually worked out pretty well. Yeah, you worked out a great. Uh, I think is it the press cam with different? Uh, is a press box with different zoom settings and height settings? Um, for that one, it was side cam. I want to say right. It was side cam with. Um, like a little bit more zoomed out and lowered um but it was actually a really good view of the action it was and um i like yeah yeah. i'm gonna be uploading those highlights soon Uh, the audio doesn't work on the emulator so the highlights are going to probably be to like nba live 95 music or something like that just something that's kind of i don't know like goes with the action yeah and i mean that live 95 soundtrack is uh is lit some might say um, oh my god don't <laughs> do that on this show you're it's, killing me um it is it is, a, so, it is a fantastic uh uh traz doing that uh that soundtrack is fantastic so, such fantastic soundtracks for live back in the 90s i, I want to say though maybe up there with 2k14 some of the best alley-oops most enjoyable alley-oops in basketball gaming do you remember when people used to say on fleek yeah i do yeah, so what happened to that? It's funny how that happens. First off, I never said on fleek. Well, the internet kills everything. It's just every, everything gets overused within a week. So, yeah. Right. I still don't know what on fleek even means. Or when somebody responds to something and says bet, like bet, like what does that even mean? Um, so, like, there's certain things that – there's certain no ones cap. that don't last long, like on fleek. and um, But then there's ones that last forever, right? Like lit. I feel like lit is still being used constantly, and it's been being used for years. Well, so, not, to get, um, not to get into a whole linguistics thing here, Derek, but have you noticed how something can be cool and hot, and it's also it just both means good? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I, <laughs> slang I, I is can't weird. Think too much about it. <laughs> it means we'll go insane. Yeah. So, um, but no, I, on fleek, I still don't know what the hell that means. But you know, for this session, KG didn't really do anything to us. I think he only had four points at the half. Uh, he did have one pretty nice jam, but it was mostly um, Yarick um, that. Oh. The superstar did damage yeah because in that game if you're not guarding the point guard tight um he's just going to keep shooting over you over and over again and they make a very high percentage of their shots right or drive and then 
kind of jump into. One thing I want to say, though, about NBA Live 06 for the 360 that I think is a huge mistake is on default for our foul settings, it's the most ridiculous thing. There is a foul pretty much on every single drive, pretty much every single possession. So as you saw, I had to bring the fouls down to like one bar on the scale one or two bars in order to make it so the game wasn't super frustrating. It didn't last three hours. So there was definitely some design choices um, and in gameplay choices that they faltered on for that game. But at least we had the sliders. I mean, that was the main thing is in games like live 2003, where we didn't have any sliders like that. I mean, we did have the foul sliders, the foul frequency settings in that game, obviously, but in games where we didn't have, where we couldn't change the game speed or frequency of certain shots or the percentages of certain shots in the sliders, you pretty much just had to live with the gameplay. And if it was if it was a good game, no problem, but sometimes there were issues like that. How great would it have been if in live 2001, 2002, if we'd had sliders, we could have turned down the offensive rebounds? Yeah, I still can't believe how many actual jumping rebounds we got in that most recent live 2002 session. I... I I, I we had so many of them. Yeah, the most I've ever seen. So the next game we connected on was NBA Live '09, and we were using the T Mac and Yao Rockets, and we were against once again Peja, but this time with the Hornets. So this is the Chris Paul, Peja Stojakovic, Morris Peterson, Tyson Chandler, Hornets, and um, Steve Francis was back in Houston at this point, coming off the bench, and he absolutely sucked for us. <laughs> He did absolutely nothing for us. He slow. He missed layups. He got blocked. He missed open shots. I love um, Stevie franchise, but in NBA Live 09, he was he was useless. Um, Pager killed us, um, and from three and driving to the hoop, he had some vicious dunks. Um, for, for the record, if you actually go back and watch Pager in the mid and early 2000s, he could throw it down. He could get to the hoop and throw it down, so it's not that unrealistic. Um, Tyson Chandler um, was huge in that game for them. Offensive rebounds, putbacks, blocking shots, and then Chris Paul hit a few threes and kind of got in between the seams and hit some mid-range shots. So I said to you um, after that session, uh, we did win this game. Um, We also won with the Blazers on NBA Live 06 for the 360. But I said to you after we, we got done that session, I said, Sometimes I can have just as much fun with NBA Live 09 than, as NBA Live 10. I think that Live 09 um, is a little bit more janky animation-wise. I think they cleaned up a lot of that with NBA Live 10. I think NBA yeah. Live 10 is, yeah, is more reactive. I think the rebounding is a lot better in NBA Live 10. Um, I, you know, they added signature size-ups in Live 10, et cetera. I, I think that, though, overall, the action in NBA Live 09 can feel really good because – you're not dealing with a ridiculous amount of canned animations. Um, playing defense is rewarding in that game. Um, making um, a move like you did with T-Mac where you threw an up fake, got by your guy and threw it down in traffic, that felt really good for you, right? And it oh, yeah. looked really good in the game. So you can pull off, pull off a lot of good feeling stuff while you're playing because you have more control over the action. So, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with that session. And I think, um, we leaned pretty heavily on team Mac and Yao because nobody else could really hit a shot for us. But, um, yeah, that was a good session. Oh, nine is one of those games where I've really had a blast revisiting that and, and kind of changing my mind about it, giving it a second chance because 
I did like it back in the day. I, I did wish that it, that version came to PC, or any version, because PC releases ended with NBA Live 08, as many long-time basketball gamers will be aware, especially in our community, with the <laughs> being so much about the PC version and modding, or patching as it was back in the day, as we were. But NBA Live 09 has really impressed me when we've gone back to it. And one thing I noticed was how the CPU really took advantage of mistakes or, or gambling. There was a play where I, had, I was guarding Tyson Chandler there in the low post, and there's a jostle system in 08 and 09 where when you're in that uh, in, the, in a post-up situation on both offense and defense, you are trying to make that move as, as you are in real life and anticipate which way uh, the offensive player is going to go and, of course, trying to get the defender to uh, to commit to a certain way and then go the other way. And I thought Tyson Chandler is going to spin towards the lane. So I committed to that direction and instead spun baseline for the dunk. And I was going back and forth, wiggling the stick, jostling, doing the whole jostle system to try and uh, anticipate him and not uh, be beaten, but he absolutely did. And then on another play, I was trying to play some health defense, collapse in the paint and uh, on Chris Paul and take away that layup. And Chris Paul just flicked that pass to Tyson Chandler again for that baseline dunk, recognized that the defense was coming and that the double was coming and the defense was collapsing on him in the paint there and just realizing that Chandler was open for that quick move and that quick dunk baseline. Once again, very intelligent CPU in 09. And I'd forgotten about that. And it was so nice to go back and see that it plays a really nice game of basketball, a really good game of sim basketball, and the CPU will recognize those mismatches and will recognize when you've committed to a certain direction because there's a lot of games in the early days of uh, basketball gaming. I love those games, but there's so many of them. The CPU just kind of stands around and passes the ball around the perimeter and then takes a shot as the shot clock is winding down. It doesn't always run the plays. It doesn't notice when there's mismatches and things like that. 09 is a very smart game, smarter than I remember, that dynamic DNA, powered by Synergy Sports, really came into play as far as player tendencies and performance, but yeah, I, I really had a good time with 09, and noticing those little things where the CPU was pretty smart, Derek. So, that Tyson Chandler move, I, I remember which one you're talking about, what a beautiful move Yeah, that was, it was very realistic, like his footwork on the move, and whatnot uh the ai is definitely strong in live 09 and a big improvement over nba live 08 in fact nba live 09 is just a monstrous jump over live 08 anyway for the ps3 and we need to connect on that game more we've had three sessions on that game since it started working with the rpcs3 emulator and on every single one of them we had a good time right so um i would love to connect on that more uh we the last game that we connected on was nba live 10 and this has been a go-to for andrew and i for what three years now four years and we were using the cavaliers versus the wizards and, and this this gave us a chance to kind of beat up on gilbert arenas who is an absolute moron when it comes to talking hoops you know the same guy that zero said that, sense. yeah the the gilbert arenas you know the same guy that said that anthony mason and russell westbrook were the same size you know the guy that said that dennis rodman would be a small guard in today's nba um just the stupid stuff that he said about past eras of basketball um the the completely crapping on bob Cousy, crapping on john stockton even though a 40 year 40 year old stockton took him to school fouled him out outscored him out had more steals than him shot a better percentage than him when they met when gilbert arenas was in his early 20s in golden state he is an absolute fool 
I absolutely hate listening to him and I hate listening to personalities like him who just spout off BS and then people buy it. So anyway, this gave us an opportunity to beat up on Gilbert Arenas um, with LeBron James, who he constantly talks so highly about in whatnot. So LeBron is just incredibly effective in NBA Live 10. Just the variety of dunks that he pulls off, how easy it is to get in the lane with him, his ability to put the ball on the floor, his crossovers and his quickness, et cetera. Um, his ability to get out on the break. Um, we just did a massive amount of damage with LeBron. But one of the biggest reasons why we blew out this wizards team, Andrew was because Shaq Cavalier Shaq in NBA live 10 is pretty much as good as Lakers Shaq was in real life. Um, Throwback Shaq. Completely. Throwback Shaq, if you will. Yeah, exactly. But he, you know, the two-handed jams, constantly dunking on people. He's faster than he should be in that game, so he's pretty consistently on the break. You'll see that in the video that I uploaded to the NLSC YouTube. He hits almost all of his half hooks, etc. You can throw lobs to him. How exciting was that when we actually completed a lob at the end of that game, which is so hard to do. It was LeBron to Shaq for a throwdown. Aliyup. Um and, and that Wizards team just Gilbert Arenas hit a few layups, but he didn't really do too much to us. Um, they were relying heavily on Brendan Hayward to stop us in the paint, and that's not going to and that's not going to work. But yeah, that session was fun. We always have fun on NBA Live Ten. No, there's a, there's a reason it's been a, a go-to for us for so long. It, it just holds up so well. It was one of the first games we really got working really well over Parsec, and and of course that added some uh, incentive to keep playing it. it. It became very special because of that, but. It's not just that. It is a very fun game on the sticks. As we've said before, it's a real shame they went away from what they were doing 09 and 10, making those steps back towards relevance, towards being what Live needed to be. Uh, Live 10 did drop things like the All-Star Weekend, which was unfortunate. Made some other mistakes with Dynasty Mode. Wasn't as deep as it could have been. Did bring back retro jerseys, at least, which was very fun. But it's, it's a great game on the sticks. We'll always enjoy revisiting it. But as you said, trying to get a lob in that game especially compared to the demo. It works pretty well in the demo because I went back and played that not too long ago and was surprised how, how much better it worked in the demo, those lobs. Uh, I think the second patch, the first or second patch, really affected alley-oops in Live 10. But yeah, we had that great pick-and-roll play at the end to get that lob to Shaq. And yeah, what a satisfying exclamation point to put on the game. Yeah, and I think that the highlights came out awesome. Uh, they are up on the NLSC YouTube. I've watched the video numerous times. And it's really fun to watch it back and kind of watch how you and I are working together mm. on the court yeah. to get things done. You know, whether it's, you know, if Andrew gets the rebound and he, and he places a quick outlet to me, he switches to another player and runs a lane and then I get it over to him and he throws it down. It's plays like that where, you know, we're working together um, both on offense and defense towards that common goal of winning the game and making great highlights. Um, that's why it never gets old to go back and watch those videos. Um, and I encourage our audience to check out all the videos that we've uploaded recently to the NLSC YouTube. A lot of the games that I just mentioned, those highlights are up. We'd love for you to interact with those videos um, if you get the chance. So, Andrew, I connected with Stildo, friend of the show. We've had him on a couple times. Um, I connected with him on NBA 2K19, and we played the 97-98 Classic Seasons roster made by Stildo and team. Just an awesome awesome mod 
and we used the Kobe and Shaq Lakers. So young Kobe and Shaq. Um, and we played against the bulls first and we played co-op. And in that game, I locked on Kobe and he used the rest of the players and I got absolutely torched by Jordan Andrew in a very realistic fashion, because I think that the, the AI is very smart in NBA 2K19. So Jordan was posting me up and hitting fadeaways. He was attacking me in the mid-range. He hit a three. Um, he was getting by me on the baseline and then throwing it down, very Jordan-esque, etc. He gave me fits. Um, but in six-minute quarters, I still scored 22 with Kobe on efficient shooting, and we did end up pulling out that game. I think we won that game by six. Um but you you know how good Stildo is with Shaq. Oh yeah. So yeah. he He's was good. absolutely destroying Luke Longley and Rodman in the paint, just throwing it down constantly, catching lobs, um, being a bully basically. So that was really cool. And then we played another game, and we were against the Kerry Kittles, Sam Cassell, Kendall Gill, Jason Williams, center Jason Williams, Nets. So kind of a fun video game team, but not too good in real life, right? And well, if you remember, we were able... Slam Magazine said they were going to be champions by 2001. Bold prediction? Didn't quite pan out, but yeah. they, they, they are a great video game team, I agree. Keith Van Horn, they, yeah. they definitely had pieces, right? Yep. They had pieces that make them a fun video game team, but they never gelled in real life. And they didn't get, weren't even given time to gel in real life. Those pieces weren't together for long. Um, Sam Cassell was gone soon after. Um, so this gave us an opportunity to really beat up on the computer. Shaq went for 32 points and 10 rebounds uh, in nine blocks. So, you know, Stildo was all over the place with him, swatting shots, getting rebounds, outletting, um, catching lobs, just being a complete bully. And I used the rest of the team. So we switched it up. So he locked on Shaq and then I used the rest of the players. And this was awesome because that meant I didn't just have to use Kobe. I could use Eddie Jones, right? And I could use Nick Van Exel. And if you think about those players, Kobe, Nick Van Exel, and Eddie Jones, all of them are fun to use in video games. All of them can put the ball on the floor. All of them um, have um, athleticism that makes them fun to use. Nick Van Exel has an amazing handle. He has a great floater. Um, all of them can shoot threes. You can take Kobe into the post, right? So it gives me just so many options to use. And, and that's why I love that 97, 98 Lakers team. But we absolutely pummeled the nets i think we won by 22 in six minute quarters and carry kittles did some damage so did sam cassell but yeah what a fun time connecting with him on that game he hosted i was the was the guest and parsec worked perfect i didn't have any lag on my end the the picture was perfect it was awesome now and 2k19 is a game that i really like as well it is also one of my all-time favorites i always play mike Rear mostly but i have enjoyed going back and playing uh five on five non-player locked gameplay it, it does hold up very well and uh, those mods are fantastic definitely check them out you can find them in the nlc forum of course and you know i obviously do love 2k i've come to be a big fan of the 2k series derek despite growing up with nba live but it has been really rewarding going back and playing NBA Live with you this week because, look, as much as 2K has reached some great heights and, you know, we've, we've criticized recent 2K releases, but we've also praised them as well. And obviously, we, we both feel very positive about 2K19. I'm still playing 2K14. But not having a great live for so many years 
it's refreshing to go back to those old lives and you are reminded of why live was the premier brand for many years and it absolutely was 2k was doing some great things and they were on the rise but live was still very strong through to the mid 2000s and it's a fresh experience because we haven't had a new nba live for so long now going on what six years i guess that we haven't had a new nba live and even before that the series was going through some very rough periods trying to come back from the disaster that was nba elite 11 so to go back and play these lives and to be reminded of how good the series was when it was really good and just playing something different because 2k has its own style i love the 2k games the good ones <laughs> but yeah playing those great nba live games was just the just a different thing that we're craving at the moment and yeah i'm keen for more live two things one we grew up with nba live and a lot of these games and that's also what makes it extra special number two you get a different type of gameplay experience when you're playing the NBA lives that we've been playing a less canned experience. You know, I talk about canned defensive mechanics, canned moments. I talk about suction. I talk about all of that stuff with the lives that we've been playing. There's just a lot more freedom on the court, right? It feels to me more like I'm in control of the action and it makes the action more fun. And I, I think that that's kind of an advantage to some of the live games over some of the 2K games is they weren't trying to fill their game with all of these canned animations, right? With all of these two-man animations. They were trying to give the user ultimate control. Um, and no further proof than the right stick usage, right? They, they're the ones who you know created that with live 2003 they pioneered that and the whole point of right stick usage was to give the user the end user as much control as possible over the dribbling over your first step over your spin move um etc so i think that's what i've enjoyed most about connecting with you this week is the fact that you know we were revisiting titles that we grew up with that we loved but also the fact that I can just sit back and enjoy the game and not constantly be frustrated by canned moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just uh, the fact that it's fun. You know, we're, we're, these games are supposed to be fun. And when it does achieve that organic feeling, that feeling of not being so canned, a semblance of real physics and so forth, it is, uh, it is so much more enjoyable. And obviously you brought up the question this week, the top three lives that people have spent time with. And I was reflecting on mine when you posed that question. And it's tough, obviously. I would probably say Live 06, 2004, and it might be a toss-up between 96 and 2000, or 96 and 2002. 96, 2002, and 2000 might be tied for third. It, it's tough to say, but I, I know that definitely the top two would be 06 and 2004. Funny, because my, uh, my third choice here is a toss-up, too, so I actually have four games I'm going to mention here. So number one spent the most time with was NBA Live 2004. Um, it was my brother and I played a full co-op legend season, all 82 games, 12 minute quarters on that game, played through the playoffs, et cetera. We also started multiple other seasons, draft seasons, um, you know, all control our own team seasons, et cetera. Um, thousands of hours on NBA live 2004 NBA live 2000 for the PC is probably second. And, um, 
yeah, that game blew us away um, from the cyber faces, uh, you know, the improvement to the faces in that game. They were so lifelike to us. Um, we really enjoyed the gameplay. Our go-to with that game was fantasy drafts, all three of us, me and my two brothers. And um, yeah, we're still playing that today. My brother and I are almost 60 games into our um, legend season on Live 2000 PC right now. And then the third is a toss-up. It's between NBA Live 98 PC and NBA Live 96 for the Sega Genesis. So, yeah, similar choices from us. I actually just remembered, of course, my 95 season in Live 95 PC with my cousin. So it might be a, a three- or four-way tie, 95, 96, 2002, 2005. Yeah, after 06 and 2004, it's tough because there's a lot of time spent with some really classic NBA Live games. And actually, I was going back through the archives of our story section, Derek, because I've written a way back Wednesday that will be coming out sometime in the near future about failed franchise and season mode games. And, and failure is a relative term. In fact, that's one of the things I go into in the article that, uh, you know, what counts as failure? Is it really failed if you had a good time, if you didn't finish the season, whatever? But I actually had forgotten that I tried to start a dynasty in Live 2004 PC with my 96 roster. I had totally forgotten about that. I only got a couple of games in, which is probably why I had forgotten about it after all these years compared to the, uh, the the one I played with contemporary rosters and played two full seasons with but yeah I'd forgotten I was I'd start trying to start a 96 uh, dynasty with the Bulls with the 96 roster and man I wish I'd been able to stick with that and maybe I'll have to go back to that idea see that's the beauty though right you still own the game exactly right and you can still get a roster in there to play it and whatnot and that's the beauty of these basketball video games they never die Right. So you can constantly, you know, create new experiences or revisit old experiences and whatnot. So that's pretty awesome. So, Andrew, across all social media platforms, we received roughly 120 responses to my NBA Live question, which was what were your top three most played NBA lives. So there is no way we're going to be able to read all of those responses on today's episode. However, I want to direct you to the post on X, which was shared by the NLSE channel, and its main location is on at D for 3G. And the post states, basketball gamers, in order, what are the top three NBA Live games that you spent the most time with? So if you want to see, you know, all of the community's responses to that post on X, you can go to that post. Uh, you can go to the NLSE Facebook page in order to see the 29 responses there. Um, and you can go to the NLSE Discord, if you're not already there, and check out the few responses we received there. On today's show, we will read off two responses from Facebook, two from the Discord, and six from X. Yeah, a tremendous response to that question. And before we get to those responses, Derek, can I say just how heartening it is to see people sharing that love of NBA Live after all these years? It shows that there's still a dedicated community mm. for this game. Um, it shows that there's people that have been fans of the series for a long time, because when you, when you look at these responses some of the titles that they mention are spanning across decades, some from the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, etc. And it also shows that people are truly craving a new player in the basketball gaming space, right? They're craving the return of NBA Live. They want another five-on-five -five sim option uh, and whatnot. Um, I think people are 
more interested in EA Sports NBA Live right now than they have been for years. 2K fatigue. Yeah. 2K fatigue, the stuff that's going on with virtual currency, the gambling mechanics in the game. um, They feel like 2K is not fair to them and whatnot. In turn, they're seeking out other options. So if there was ever a time for NBA Live to return, for EA Sports to bring back that series, I think it's in 2025 or 2026 at the latest. It's amazing that the door should have been slammed shut on NBA Live multiple times by now, but there's still that spark of life for the series, that interest in the series, and for good reason. As you said, the 2K fatigue, the microtransactions, BS, all of that stuff, and and simply having an alternative. As we said, when we reflected on the games that we've been playing, as much as we love 2K and still play those games, various games throughout the 2K series, we still like that freshness of having something different the way that NBA Live does it, that NBA Live style, not to rip the uh, the name of the <laughs> Live 2003 soundtrack there, but people want that alternative, those choices in the space, as we've said before. So absolutely, it is the time to uh, to capitalize on that. And yeah, these responses just show that people do have that love of Live and those fun memories. You know, like I've said in the past, NBA Live gameplay just feels different. Um, especially the mid-2000s NBA Lives, like Live 15 and Live 16, and um, the mid-2000s and early-2000s NBA Lives, where the games don't feel canned, right? Like you feel like you have more control over the action. And I think that a lot of people were drawn to that. The fact that, you know, when you're playing defense and you're getting blocked shots and, you know, getting steals in the passing lane or on the ball or, you know, when you're driving to the hoop and whatnot, you you don't feel like the game is dragging you in different directions. And I think that in many live games, that's the advantage they have over some of the 2K titles is the fact that the action is more free, that, that you as the user have more control. Uh, you know, just like with NBA Live 2003, when they brought in right stick dribbling, they pioneered that. And 2K didn't have it for another 10 years until NBA 2K13. But the reason so many people stuck with Live after right stick dribbling was implemented is because what, Andrew? Control, right? Control over those dribbling mechanics. Accessibility, um, contr- yeah. Yeah, accessibility, you know, control over that triple threat, you know, get, having your back to the defender and spinning off and whatnot. It's it's just that ultimate freedom and control. And that's what live has always tried to be about, at least up until live 18 and live 19. And as we've said before, they have had some great sim titles, some great sim oriented titles. It's always been sim oriented, of course, but they've had some games that have done a great job of capturing basketball realistically the nba realistically having depth in the dynasty mode and everything and of course mods on pc yeah there's a reason people love live and looking through these responses i can see that a lot of the games that we've been talking about are favorites in fact let's get to the responses right now uh teddy bear the gamer says nba live 2004 06 and 10 three games that we revisited this past week Yeah, those are three of the most popular NBA Live titles of all time. Many say that NBA Live 10 is actually the best from a gameplay perspective. Um, And I think that NBA Live 2004 improved so much on NBA Live 2003 from a a pace standpoint. Um, It added um, two-man animations without making the action too canned. Uh, It gave you even more control 
on the sticks. Um, the jump stop is a little bit too dominating and you need to use it a little bit too much in that game, but it's such a nice touch. Um, and it's a thing that was, I don't know, incredibly popular at that time in the early 2000s when you think about guys like steve francis and and baron davis and alan iverson and seeing how they attack the lane and ju- use that jump stop to either go into like a quick fadeaway or tweener or to get to the basket um so and we've i've already talked about nba live 06 andrew the best defensive mechanics in my opinion in lives history they improved so much on NBA Live 2005. The fast breaks are a lot better because the players continue moving instead of stopping to catch the ball. Um, alley-oops were fixed, and they're now effective and realistic in that game. And I just think NBA Live 06 is just such a deep, awesome title. My favorite, as I've said. Exactly. Next up, we have BB8 Tech Dad says, That's a hard one. Top three, probably Live 96 for Genesis or indeed Mega Drive here in the PAL regions, NBA Live 98 for PlayStation, and NBA Live 2005 for PS2, which of course is the same as the PS version. It was either 95 or 96 when I started doing roster updating slash creation. And yeah, Live 96 PC was my introduction to the NLSC, getting on Elta Vista back in 1997, searching for NBA Live 96 content, this is pre-Google of course, and finding this site called the NBA Live Series Center, founded by Tim Bryan and Lutz, our founders, and yeah, the rest is history. I fell in love with our community, with modding, patching as it was called at the time. And that is a classic game. Live 96 PC is one of my favorites as well. And yeah, Live 2005. What a classic. The All-Star Weekend. He has two choices in there that were part of my top three. Live 96 for the Sega Genesis and for me, Live 98 for the PC. Yeah, you can't go wrong with those three choices. Uh, Bucky T says, I definitely have to say Live 2002. 2004 and 2005 i snoozed on live 10 because i was playing 2k10 and yeah i think a lot of people did sleep on nba live 10 myself included i think it was mostly because i was a bit upset that it wasn't on pc and the second patch of course did cause some problems with the game i was looking back through our story section derek at the uh, some of my attempts to do a story for nba live 10 and I noticed that I was having some problems with lockups on Xbox 360, which kind of <laughs> killed my enthusiasm as well. I think one of the patches did fix that because I haven't encountered that since playing on my current Xbox 360. But yeah, I think Live 10 is definitely slept on. Live 2002, I do enjoy because I did play the, that Sacramento Kings franchise that I've talked about before throughout my last year of high school. And again, 2004 and 2005, absolute classics. It's funny, I was talking with Roger uh, live 01 legend and I, I guess him and nate routinely kind of rip on live 2002 because they feel it's a little bit too easy to score which they're right it's definitely a lot easier to score in live 2002 than it is in live 2001 um and i think that they enjoy the more sim approach that was in live 2001 but yeah they don't agree with our takes on live 2002 but they respect them so I think, uh, you know, I really enjoy Roger and Nate and they're friends of the show and we got to have them on again soon. Um, but yeah, Live 2002, uh, I, we had a fun session on that recently. Uh, and Live 10, you, you can't go wrong. I, I, I've said this, you know, we've, that's been a go-to of ours for how long? For three or four years. At so. least, yeah. Next up is Steven, the Live King, says NBA Live 06 for GameCube. Again, same as the PC version, minus modding, of course. NBA Live 09 for 360, and NBA Live 19, the most recent NBA Live, of course. 
and we know that the Live King has done some tremendous stuff for Live 09, and, and also Live 19 as well, updating some rosters and trying slider tweaks, but a lot of his slider tweaks for Live 09 is where he's uh, put in a lot of work over the years. I know he loves Live 09, and I hope he's been appreciating the gameplay uploads to the NLC YouTube from our Parsec sessions. Um, that recent one with Tracy McGrady and Yao, I thought that video came out great and kind of showed off the game for its strengths and whatnot. And, you know, we mentioned Live 19, and out of the roughly 85 responses we received on X, Live 19 was only mentioned a couple times, Andrew which was surprising to me because it's the most recent NBA Live. Um, and even up until this day, there's still people using the online platform to connect and play on that game. But I, I think it just shows that there's something special about the way they made a lot of those old lives. Oh, absolutely. But to the point of the enjoying the new lives, uh, KDOT, KDOT33 Gaming, content creator, of course, says Live 16, 18, and 19. I made a name for myself playing these, and he absolutely did. It's great to see him and that community that's still rallying around NBA Live 19, and 18 is a game that I've gone back and remembered how much I enjoyed it when it was new. And Live 16 as well, uh, I have I didn't play that as much when it came out, possibly because I was kind of, I don't know, I'd, I'd played it at the community event, and then it came out, and I couldn't play Ultimate Team because I played with the debug packs with uh, all of the cards unlocked and kind of ruined it for myself, unfortunately, going back to scratch. And th that's a game, again, that I slept on. Going back to it, I quite enjoyed Live 16 and 18. 19 I'm not as big on, but again, there's a very dedicated community uh, around NBA Live 19. I appreciate the fact that he started his quote-unquote come-up with the community with NBA Live 16 which has entirely different gameplay mechanics, in my opinion, than Live 18 and Live 19. In Live 18, they did a overhaul of the motion system, and they added a lot of canned animations in there. I know that you, you're a fan overall of Live 18, but there's just a lot more canned sequences, canned blocks, can steals, can drives. Um, you know, you drive to the hoop and you don't know what animation you're ever going to get. Um, and oftentimes you're just being forced into multiple defenders and you finish the good majority of the time regardless. Um, I think that one of the reasons why I've been enjoying Live 15 and Live 16 a lot more lately than Live 18 and Live 19 is because, like I stated prior, the importance of having control over the action, right? For sure. Not having too many canned animations where defense overall feels organic. Um, and sure, Live 15 and Live 16 have quite a few gameplay issues and they can have their frustrations at least when i pick up the controller and i do something on the floor i feel like the majority of the time i did it right and had that control so i appreciate the fact though that he was able to pivot from that old motion system in live 16 go into a new overhauled motion system that is night and day different gameplay wise than what it was in Live 16 and still have a blast playing with the community, making a name for himself and all of that. So I'm glad that he's enjoying those titles. Definitely. And I do agree that is a problem, the canned moments in 18 and 19. It is the weakness of those games. I do like some of the enhancements they made to the, the feel on the sticks, apart from those canned moments, of course. But for me, you know, Ultimate Team, I have that team of 90s legends. So that is a big draw for me. That That's kind of drawing me to that game over the other ones, I have to admit. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that 
you can make great highlights in NBA Live 18 and that the graphics pop. I don't think they're better than NBA Live 16. Actually, I prefer the graphics on Live 16, but the graphics still on Live 18 are appealing. I think that that adds to the amount of time you're going to spend with it, right? Oh, yeah. Because you can put that 90s team on the floor and sure, um, much of the action is canned, right? And a lot of times you go to the hoop or you do something and the game just plays out something, like plays out in animation, and but it looks cool, right? And it still feels good sometimes as a result. So you end up being able to put together awesome highlight reels. You get to see Sean Kemp posterizing somebody like he did in real life and everything. So it adds to the amount of time you're going to spend with the game. Oh, definitely. Uh, Royce says NBA Live 06, NBA Live 96, and NBA Live 2003. And 2003 is one that I have mixed feelings about, as I've said before, but it was revolutionary with the freestyle control bringing that in. I do appreciate it for some of the... I appreciate the humor of it with the courtside comedy cutscenes all these years later and the frenetic pace. I can enjoy it for what it is. It is a fun game. It's not as sim as I would like, but definitely a landmark release. And yeah, I, I definitely see why people enjoy it. 06, my favorite game. 96, again, the first game I owned, actually, for the PC. I rented Live 95 for Super Nintendo. That was a frequent video store rental, and then I did buy that later on, and the PC version as well. But Live 96 PC was the first one that I went out and purchased with my own money. So, yeah, that's uh, that's, that's always going to be special to me. I'll never understand how the developers for NBA Live 2003 didn't implement a game speed slider yeah. for that game. 2K had I mean, at that point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that could have changed the way you felt about it. Sure. To be honest with you, just some, you know, sliders related to the amount of times players fall down and get knocked around and whatnot, because that happens often on that game, kind of like the bumper car effect and whatnot. You know, being able to slow down the pace a little bit, uh, make it a little bit more sim, um, I think it would have changed the way a lot of people felt about that game, just adding a little bit of that, you know, customization in there but i see the draw to nba live 2003 it's it has one of if not the best soundtrack in basketball gaming history um in fact i believe that soundtrack went platinum yes Andrew. first one to do um, so yeah. exactly uh and the fact that it is fun and exciting i know the blocks are a little aggressive but <laughs> you know when when you pick up the game for the first time and you get one that you know goes all the way into the backcourt or sails out of bounds and everything it's amazing. It has a certain right? charm. Absolutely, yeah. It has a certain charm. And, you know, the courtside comedy, as kind of silly as it is, it added some immersion to it's the memorable. game. It added some We're still fun talking about to it. it. It's memorable. Right, exactly. It added some signature style, in a way, to the game. I mean, if you're getting an autograph from Rasha Nesterovich, um, <laughs> I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge you if you're stopping him at the tunnel and say, begging for an autograph from him. He was a good player. But, um, yeah, I think that, Live 2003 is special for many reasons. While the gameplay has a lot of issues, I think that it's it's still a special game. Kwame Brown chewing out MJ for not paying attention during a timeout will always be a classic cutscene. You can actually find that yeah. on the NLC YouTube channel. And uh, yeah, sliders absolutely would have helped with 2003. I actually said so much in last week's Friday Five, one of the uh, features that would have greatly enhanced that game. Yeah, just, just if I had to pick one edition of 2003, getting gameplay sliders a year earlier... Yeah, I think would have changed a lot of people's opinions about that game and, yeah, could have really made it even more of a memorable classic, for sure. So I'm going to go two for one here 
because we have the Live at One legends, Nate Starshow and Roger Ward, answering on X and Facebook, respectively, uh, with the same games, not surprisingly. Uh, Nate says NBA Live 2001, 2004, and 2005. And Roger Ward adds, after much consideration, I think Live 2001 is my number one, followed by 2004, then 2005. And I know you've connected with Nate on uh, on at least 2004 and 2005, was it, or just 2004? I think it was just 2004, but we had a blast on that. Mm. We also used the Orlando Magic on Live 2001, and we're throwing alley-oops to each That's other right. from Grant Hill to T-Mac and T-Mac to Grant Hill. And one of those was, was in the top 10 plays of the week, and I had a blast playing with him. On that game, I believe we took down the Alonzo Mourning-led Miami Heat um, in that one. I also want to point out that it's not surprising that they have the same choices because the most fun they have with video games is when they're playing against each other, right? And um, those are all games that I've seen them play against each other on um, on the on their YouTube channel with the video uploads and whatnot. And, you know, with live 2001 and live 2004 and whatnot, I see them on camera. So that's proof, Andrew, because they're on camera with the hit, with the controls in their hands, we know that they're playing against each other. So not surprising in the least. And uh, Kieran S says NBA live 98 on PC due to it being such a jump graphically at the time, the first game to have cyber faces, also a big improvement in gameplay at the time. And then number two, NBA Live 2005 PC was probably the peak for me before gameplay began slipping and EA started rinse and repeating. I particularly love the interface in this one. Also, my team, the Wolves, were great in this era. And NBA Live 97 Super Nintendo, the first basketball sim I actually owned, having only ever rented previous titles, so I played the hell out of it. Now, obviously, that relates back to what I just said about Live 95 for Super Nintendo, that a frequent video store rental and hoping that your save was still there, that somebody somebody else hadn't rented the game and deleted it in the interim. Uh, Kieran actually posted uh, a screenshot for one of our Virtual Hardwood Photos posts on Facebook, posted a photo of him playing Live 99 on a Windows 10 PC, which is always awesome to see people playing the classics like that on a modern system. We do have the utilities to do that. And there is actually a new workaround that I've seen that I'll have to look into that might help with getting some of those old games to run on modern Windows. So that's um, an exciting development there. Shout out to This Week in Retro, the uh, YouTube show and podcast. And yeah, live, again, Live 2005 with All-Star Weekend, just really polished gameplay, The continuing to put effort into Dynasty mode, and of course modding on PC as well. Yeah, classics all around. Yeah, and again, we're talking about NBA Lives that are spanning you know, roughly eight to 10 years, right? These, these people were dedicated to the series and they were playing it with each annual release. We recently connected out NBA Live 97. And like I stated, um, I think that NBA Live 98 is a better game. I think they made a lot of improvements over NBA Live 97. There's still a lot of nostalgia surrounding that game. It's the menus. It's all the, all the, lo- the lowercase letters all over the place um where there should be a capital letter it screams 90s um but i I think that live 98 was definitely a step in the right direction and just want to sneak one more in from facebook here because it's got a very interesting answer uh jared p says live 2001 2003 and then nba elite 11 and in parentheses it's actually a lot better than you'd think even if the controls are weird so yeah, there are some people who have played Elite 11. It is out there in the wilderness, obviously, uh, on jailbroken PS3s and on the emulator and so forth. And yeah, it is, it's interesting. I'll give it that. Yeah, and you know that there's a very small chance that he actually owns that video game 
um, which I'd be very jealous of. Playing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would be very jealous if he did. But he's more than likely playing it on a jailbroken PS3 or off of the RPCS3 emulator, which I think a lot of the p- community. Um, you know, that's been the way that they've been able to access that game. And what's funny is, is there's, uh, you know, the majority of people who do access it and, you know, figure out the controls, whether they, you know, figure out the default controls or set the controls to traditional, which is what I've done when I played the demo and whatnot, you end up having a, I guess, a deeper appreciation for what they were trying to do, even though it was the wrong move. And you kind of wish they had just released the game, right? Like the majority of people who put uh, put it on say, hey, they should have released this game because the graphics stand out. They're very good. The commentary is good. Um, When you set the controls to traditional, I think that um, you can make it work and it has its shining moments. I think that, you know, shooting is okay. Uh, You know, attacking the rim, sure, there's some rocket dunks, but they don't look absolutely terrible. Um, It can be fun at times to play defense. So, like, I think that the majority of people who that I've seen, you know, play NBA Elite 11, whether it's on a jailbroken PS3 or off of the RPCS3 emulator, come away stating, I wish they would have released this game. But it was the wrong direction for the series. It was a major step back. I've played it. A major step back from NBA Live 10, and I think that um, it set the series back for years. Yeah, no, I've had a chance to play it again through the emulator. And yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And like you say, it is fascinating to see what they were going for. And even at the time with the demo, you could you could see it, but it just didn't feel right. It, it wasn't the right direction. But if they had released the game, maybe it would have just kept the series alive for a year. Then they could have brought back NBA Live 12, gone back to Live 10. I say this greatly simplifying the process of developing video games, but going back to Live 10, making it Live 12, coming out with that the year after, would have really changed the history of the series, as we've said before. Exactly. And heading over to the Discord for a couple more responses now, uh, Wizcard Rush says, NBA Live 10, played it quite a bit about a year after release, bought it from a local game shop, recently playing a lot more of it due to Parsec and RPCS3. NBA Live 06 for PS2, of course the same as the PC version, and NBA Live 18, with how disappointed I was with 2K18, I made a switch over to Live for the first time that generation after trying the Live 18 demo. And yeah, I was spending more time with Live 18 after being disappointed with 2K18 and giving up on my career in the connected modes. Live 06 again, an all-time favourite. And, you know, shout out to Wizcard Rush for the, uh, the 2009 roster for NBA Live 10. Out of the 100 plus responses, you notice a common theme with a lot of the answers. People mentioning NBA Live 10, NBA Live 06, NBA Live 2005, NBA Live 2004. And it seems like those games were not only loved at the time of release, but that a lot of these people are still playing them. Right. And I think that's really cool. I know that you and I still play those games. We connect on them often and whatnot. But that seems to be the theme. Um, you have a couple responses in there for like NBA Live 96, NBA Live 95 and whatnot. You'll have you know a few responses also for NBA Live 2003. But the, those games that I just mentioned seem to be the most common. Oh, yeah, there's no surprise with those games in particular. Some great releases that do hold up all these years later. And, yeah, clearly we're not the only ones playing them. And, yeah, I'd love to see that. And one last response here from Pep in the Discord. says NBA Live 2000, NBA Live 98, and NBA Live 07. And we did have a few people mention Live 07, presumably for PC because there was at least modding on that platform. Uh, not a not a popular favorite, but but definitely one that people do remember fondly. And 
it had its moments and definitely better on PC, especially with mods. Yeah, there's no way they're talking about the 360 version of NBA Live 07. I still say that for a AAA game, it's the worst basketball video game ever made. Um, it's clunky. It's janky. It's the animation transitions don't make any sense. It runs at a terrible frame rate. It's the it's I don't know what the hell they were thinking from a design standpoint, development standpoint with that game. So uh, I've definitely had a more positive experience with the PS2 slash PC version of that game. So um, I'm guessing they're talking about that version. And shout out to Pep once again for the fantastic work he's doing for 2K14. Uh, some great jerseys. Actually, the jerseys from the Rising Stars game, the latest release, which you can check out in the uh, in the download section right now. But thank you to everybody who responded. So many responses, as we said, Derek. Yeah, once again, so much passion for NBA Live, so many great memories. Uh, proof that people would play it if it comes back. Oh, no, 100%. Uh, like I said, I think people are craving... Uh, a new player in the space it doesn't even need to be ea sports nba live right like if san diego studios the people who make mlb the show if they started putting together a basketball video game and advertising a future release i think there would be a lot of excitement there would be a huge draw to that based on 2k fatigue and the predatory mechanics that are in the recent 2k games just make it better than nba 09 the inside yeah. Yeah. So NBA 09, the inside, you made it look pretty good there. And I feel like I've made it look good in the past by sharing only the highlights that look that, that turned out. Okay. Yeah. Um, it but helps to do that, that game. It does. Yeah. But that recent video you uploaded for NBA 09, the inside, you can see some positives. Like I think the game graphically looks really good right i think the dunks are loud and that's exciting so it's fun to get you know to the hoop and do a 360 and throw it down and whatnot but the gameplay is just poor in my opinion there's a lot of skating in that game there's a lot of being forced in different in, in into animations in different directions where you don't intend to go um the animations are not stitched together properly it's a it's a very rough release from a gameplay perspective and i think that nba 07 and nba 08 were stronger gameplay wise by quite a bit and of course the the dribbling moves in 09 are pretty awful i described it as tap the stick and hope that it pulls off a move that you want that works a lot of weird momentum dribbles too like you'll you'll push the the dribble move button and you'll like you'll be standing in one spot and it will unnaturally force you about four to five feet in a direction that you didn't even intend to go and then you're like well crap now i'm somewhere i don't want to be (laughs) right exactly like it's just very strange mechanics in that game with that being said we will definitely welcome competition and alternatives in the space because that 2k fatigue is real as we said and and to that point you know people are starting to speak out on that and that brings us to our next topic derek there are more content creators speaking out about microtransactions the situation with my team there's been controversy with the my team card the first official 100 overall uh, galaxy opal kareem abdul-jabbar who's uh, only available if you spend money on packs so yeah 2k has thrown away a lot of goodwill in recent years and people are starting to get fed up and my take on it before i throw it over to you is look better late than never but what took you so long yeah uh, we've been talking about this for years andrew yeah. Trying to get people to speak up. Uh, the nice thing is, is right now there's actually quite a few high follower influencers that are 
speaking up, people with a following of 100,000 plus on X, um, people with 300K plus subscribers on YouTube, et cetera. And I'm going to give an example of this. So Wadgeplug at Badgeplug on X stated, here's a reminder that yes, 2K currently has the license to use NBA players, which is the big driver keeping out competition because it's so expensive. But that doesn't mean someone can't come in and create a game with park, rec, whatever, with created players and builds. Game Freak, the creators of Pokemon, have been making garbage for years, and Pal World came out of nowhere with a, a insanely smaller budget and showed them that they can not only compete with them, but make something even better. I don't think the license cost, that's where I disagree with that, post i don't think the license cost has anything to do with and ea sports not bringing back nba live i think it's a um it's not a priority right now they're focused on their other series um maybe part of them doesn't think they can compete right now with what 2k is putting out but what he's saying here is we want competition right He's saying that we want another player in the space. We want another online option for a basketball video game, et cetera. And the reason why I brought up this post is because at Badge Plug has 213,000 followers, Andrew, on X. And this, this post was seen by a lot of people. And the next one was from at Coster 2K, and he has 17K followers, and he says, 2K saying VC is fiction is crazy, LMAO. And what he's referring to is Take-Two's lawyers, because they were sued for their VC practices, Take-Two's lawyers using a defense of VC is not plaintiff's property. Instead, in-game VC are fictions created by game publishers, subject to the publisher's terms of service and user agreements. And then he continues, he goes, as as if we don't spend real money on that quote-unquote fictional VC. All you creators with logos and crap can't keep staying quiet forever. Those opportunities, quote-unquote, you so desperately want to maintain won't matter when the game is truly dead. So this got out, this um, take-two defense to the lawsuit. And there was a bunch of high-follower accounts on X, and then a few people made YouTube videos about it, getting absolutely pissed off and being just pissed off in general about them calling VC fictional, not real, when people spent their true hard-earned money often on these packs, on upgrades online, and, and then they weren't allowed to carry it over into a new game. So that's another one, Andrew. Yeah, and again, it is very welcome to see these people speaking out on it. Maybe it should have been earlier. There's been people who've been speaking out on this for years. You know, shout out to Agent Double Zero has made many videos about this. He basically torched some of his opportunities with 2K when he spoke out about that. When he spoke out about how Ronnie made some inappropriate comments on X uh, regarding his uh, immigration status from Canada to the uh, to the US. So you know, he's not been afraid to speak out on that. And yeah, there's, there has been other people speaking out before. We've obviously been doing it for years, but it is nice to see. And this whole situation with the with the new Kareem card, it's... Oh, the, don't, I got to talk to you about this, Andrew. So Andrew and I haven't actually talked about this off air, but this is the thing that's the tipping point right now for a lot of people with the 2K series. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, this, this is definitely the, you know, the watershed moment. 
Yeah. So basically what they did was they released the first ever 100 overall card in my team history, and it was an Opal Kareem. But what they did was they made it so the only way you can get this Kareem is through packs. And the odds of getting this Kareem are unbelievably low. Like, it's it's ridiculous. About 40 minutes to an hour into the card opening, you know, for, for the event, you know, when it was released and whatnot, I believe it was mentioned that only five people had pulled a Kareem. So I want you to think about all the money people are spending on packs, Andrew, to try to get this Kareem. Oh, right? yeah. Thousands. They Thousands. And I'm going to get into that in a moment. Some of the people were showing some of their receipts off their PlayStation Network report. And here is the kicker. And this got out as well. Three 2K Next makers got the 100 overall Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with no shakes. I don't know what no shakes mean, but early on... In when this event started, three next makers got the Kareem. Funny. And interesting how that happens, right? So two were mentioned, and I saw these posts on X. So Lethal 2K states, out of the five people who pulled Kareem at that point, two are the biggest next makers who play the mode. He says no hate on them, but it's obviously rigged. One of them, Uncle Demi, and the other, Killzamoy, and both of them, of course, boasted about getting the Kareem and then shared a YouTube link so people would check out the YouTube video of them pulling the Kareem. What are the odds, Andrew? What are the odds that the next makers who promote the game, who because what they're doing there with that is they are showing that the Kareem, that, that you can get it, right? They're trying to show you how awesome the Kareem is. And even though your odds are very, very, very low to get this Kareem, it makes people spend more money on the game, right? So they, they're trotting out their next makers. This is the way I'm looking at it. This is the only way I see it. It's not a fact, but what are the odds, right? What they're doing is, is they're programming it so they pull the Kareem early in the event, and then they promote that pull so people can see the animation and they can, you know, see that it's possible to get him. In turn, 2K makes a fortune yeah. off of people trying to emulate the next makers and whatnot. I think it's the again, I've said it before, it is slimy, it's bad business practices, it's anti-consumer. Hiding the 100 overall Kareem in uh, it, behind gambling mechanics. Like, how low can you get? Yeah. Right? They didn't put it in the market, Andrew, right? No. The, the 2K-controlled market. They didn't make it so you could get it through achievements. They made it so, listen, you have to gamble to get this Kareem. And it wasn't just this Kareem. I believe there was like a 98 overall LeBron. Um, I want to say a 98 overall um, SGA. I want to say a Tyrese Halliburton, et cetera, that was part of this event and whatnot. And how do you get those? You've got to open packs in order to get them. And they've made it so this mode is so toxic and anti-consumer. It's just another level of greed that, you know, it's not surprising anymore. Well, no, no. It's, it's gone to a point where you cannot ignore it unless, of course, you are working with 2K and it uh, benefits your content to, to work with them. And and look, I know everybody's got to get the bag and all that stuff. And if you've, if you've committed to being a content creator and that is now your living Yes, you've got to 
earn money, but if you can also afford to drop thousands of dollars on packs as part of your content creation, you're also propping up this system that encourages other people to spend. Oh, it's optional. You don't have to spend real money. No, but how are you going to get enough VC otherwise, Derek? That's the thing. So, Andrew, people were showing their receipts and they were talking about you know, how hard they were trying to get that Kareem. One person showed their PlayStation Network receipt and it showed that they spent $3,000. $3,000 opening packs. Hundreds of thousands of th- hundreds of thousands of VC used. Do you know what three thousand dollars would buy you for the base seventy dollar version of NBA Two K Twenty Four? It would buy you forty two of that game, right? Mm. So forty two copies of that game. Do you people see why they're pulling this? Do you have any idea how much more money they make off of these microtransactions than the base game? That one person basically bought forty two. NBA 2K24 copies with the amount that they spent trying to open packs and get that Kareem. Do you think they got the Kareem, Andrew? <laughs> I'm guessing not. No. no. So I've seen a few other receipts of over $2,000. I've seen people state that they've spent um, well over a million in VC in order to get the players that they want. Um, and they were stuck with a, a ton of duplicates and not getting the players that they wanted. They are making absolute bank uh using these predatory mechanics these in these gambling mechanics in the game i'm I'm just i'm sick to my stomach from it it's just it's disgusting i also want to point out that kerr so at kerr on x who has 17k followers stated yesterday he's talking about the kareem opal and this my team madness he said yesterday 2k officially set the precedent for the lengths they will go to to screw over their player base no other ultimate team sports title has ever released content on such a predatory level a gambling cesspool with no other alternative unreal the things they get away with and i couldn't have said it much better myself i i think it's it's unbelievable what they've been allowed to get away with we badly need another competitor in the space. In my opinion, uh, more people need to speak up. So still more influencers need to speak up about this. I think that, uh, you know, I honestly, I think more, hopefully more people take legal action. That's the point that this has gotten to. Oh, for sure. Andrew. Yeah. And um, I think so- something has to give. Something has to give. What's funny, though, is that you and I said something has to give at, in like 2K20. <laughs> yeah. 2k21 and now we're years later and it's only getting worse it is it is but at least more people are actually speaking up about it and, and yeah i couldn't put it any better than that uh that post on x did you know if people want to throw away two thousand dollars three thousand dollars we do have a paypal donation link tip jar on the site i'm just going to put it out there if you, want, <laughs> if you want to throw your money away i'll take it um yeah, <laughs> and that's what it. they're doing too though that's the thing is they're throwing their money away and again this game is targeted at our youth. So these are like kids, teenagers, um, super young adults and whatnot are getting absolutely pummeled with predatory mechanics. And they have no other alternative in the basketball gaming space to turn to for, you know, a mode like this for a five on five basketball, etc. So a lot of these gamers absolutely feel stuck. And I don't want one person who's listening to this to try to blame the consumer. You do not blame the consumer for being taken advantage of. They are not the one who implemented these mechanics into the game. They're not the one who 
are, you know, trying to reach into other people's pockets to people's pockets in general and basically steal their money. Not one, and I'm going to say this again, not one consumer should be blamed for what take two is doing. No, I absolutely agree. And I, I can't put it better than uh, you and uh, and Kerr on X already have. I will add, however, that you called it about the player market. I was more optimistic before 2K24 came out because I thought, okay, maybe there won't be those gambling mechanics or they, they still be in the game, but you can at least get your player from the market. But then giving them control over the market, as you predicted, as you called it, has allowed them to put... Uh, extortionate prices on those cards so and of course with no auction house if there was the auction house and the player market and the packs there'd be ways around it but they have just so much control over that in-game economy that yeah it's just gone out of control and yeah keep speaking up about it yeah, please do. And I want to point out that I was somebody who enjoyed my team back in the day. I actually, I've talked about it on prior NLC podcasts. I thoroughly enjoyed NBA 2K15, my team. It was actually the first game that I'd ever gotten in to the mode. And it was before 2K went full anti-consumer. And the mode uh, was overall fair in the way it was conducted and developed and whatnot. And it's just, it's crazy how far they've fallen. Again, just goes to show what you can do when there's no competition. We saw it with Madden, with EA and Madden. Now we're seeing it with uh, 2K and the NBA. Yeah, so let's get to something positive, Andrew. So we're going to celebrate Michael Jordan here. So it's, you know, February 17th, 2024 was his 61st birthday. And obviously, um, you know, you being the biggest Jordan fan that I know, um, you're never going to turn down a chance to celebrate his airness. So the question I posed to the community was, Michael Jordan turned 61. So we would like to know, what was your favorite video game to use MJ in? And what is your favorite real MJ highlight game or series? So Andrew, being the biggest Jordan fan I know, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Well, I'm going to cheat a little and say that Live 96 was a really fun one with a created MJ. Because, of course, we didn't have MJ in the game, but we could put him in there and basically have MJ as he should have been. But as far as official appearances are concerned, you know, 2K11 is up there. But I've really been enjoying playing retro matchups in 2K14 PS4 with him. Obviously, you've seen the retro series. The most recent one was the 1991 NBA Finals matchup between the Bulls and Lakers. So it might be 2K14 now. I think the thing about 2K14 for PC and for the you know Xbox One PS4 is that there's still a lot of those... NBA 2K11 animations in it, mm. right? You know, the little fadeaway he does off of his back foot, the layup animations at the rim, you know, dunking from the foul line, uh, you know, the, the the different MJ dunk package, etc. And it's just also really fun to play defense in 2K14, right? And MJ is one of, or if not the best defender at his position in NBA history. So, you know, combining that, the, the offensive signature style and the the ability to play defense like MJ, I can see why you would say that. You know, for me, I, I gotta say NBA 2K11, mm. and I think it's just because uh, they focused so much on making it play, making it play like real Michael Jordan. So authentic, I think yeah. It plays more like him than any game after, including NBA 2K23. The moves feel that much better on NBA 2K11 because of proper foot planning and whatnot, which isn't in. 
NBA 2K23 um, because of the lack of suction that's in 2K11. Um, the when you pull off his moves, it looks better and feels better. Um, I think that they just nailed it with that game. And and when you use him in that game, it feels more special to me than using him in any other video game. I think other games that nailed it were, you know, 2K12 because it still had a lot of those animations in there. Um, 2K13, uh, I think that um, the, you know, the ability to pull off moves with the right stick with MJ, you know, off the dribble and in triple threat and whatnot, make using him in the post more fun. Um, you know, doing those quick spins baseline or a spin into a fadeaway and whatnot. And I think that just 2K11, 2K12, and 2K13, just animation-wise, it's just MJ to a T, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. And look, I'll also throw out Live 2004 as an honorable mention, because he was still in that game as a legend. His last appearance uh, in the NBA Live series. And hey, NBA Live 2002, his first official appearance in the NBA Live series. He was in the NBA Playoff series in the early 90s, of course. But actually having him there, even on the Wizards, was a real novelty. Finally, we have MJ in the game, thanks to his second comeback. And 2003, of course, is in that game as well. So novelty to have him there. And any game that you can mod him into, I mean, we can put him in Live 06, as uh, as we saw from the uh, our 80s versus 90s All-Stars showdown. He's there, courtesy of the uh, NLC roster that I made back in the day. So just just playing with MJ in video games is uh, is so much fun. So what's your favorite real-life moment? Wow. Yeah, that's, that is a, a tough one. You know, I love the 97 season uh, and also the 90. I mean, I love all the seasons that I watched uh, in the 90s with MJ on the Bulls, but the 97 and 98 seasons really following along uh, just so intensely. And then the 98 season, of course, we had the internet as well in, that, in our household. So we're, I was actually able to follow along all season long on, on the Weed League's official website, NBA.com, as Jim Fagan would say at the end of every episode of NBA Action. So I was just so into it at the time. That, with that being said, I used to get the his classic games from Pontel, the uh, international NBA uh, home video distributor. And that first round series against the Heat in 92, Derek, what he was doing against the Heat, just putting up those incredible numbers, just dunking on all of the Heat's big men. You know, there's that game one. He has eight dunks, including one that I always remember. It's just him and Pippen on the break. Grant Long is the the one in the two-on-one. What a helpless feeling for Grant Long. A fine player, but what a helpless feeling to have MJ and Pip uh, bearing down on you. Pip flips it to MJ, goes up for the dunk. That is one of the highlights that I always remember. And, and of course, you know, hitting the shot in the last dance to, to capitalize the last dance with the... Uh, with, to get that sixth championship is uh, is always going to be iconic as well. You know, Andrew, they talk about the bad boys, Pistons, and how they implemented the Jordan rules, and they would take out Jordan in the air and play super physical with him. But, you know, most people point to that and say that, you know, Jordan had to overcome that. But they never mention his battles with the Heat and Knicks in the 90s, where the Heat and Knicks beat the crap out of Jordan. Oh yeah. There there were my my brothers and I go will will watch the early 90s Bulls versus the Knicks. And there are times where Michael Jordan can barely move an inch. Like he's tripping over defenders because there's just people all over him. Like it is ridiculous how closely guarded MJ was when he was playing the Knicks in the early 90s. They were super physical with him whenever he went to the hoop, they were trying to body him and knock him down and whatnot 
He had barely any room to breathe the majority of the time on the perimeter. There was always a defender in his shorts. Hand checking was at an all-time high in the early and mid-90s. So there's always a hand on his waist trying to like steer him into a different direction and everything. I wish more people would actually talk about the physicality that he dealt with playing certain teams in the early 90s, in mid-90s, like the Heat and um, in the Knicks and whatnot. I think for me, there's too many. There's too many favorite moments. Yeah. And I have some Wizards moments that are some of my favorite. Uh, I've mentioned it on a prior show. His first game in Washington in 2001, so the first home game, where he they lost the game, but MJ put on an absolute clinic, uh, like a, a true show, and was showing you that, you know what, I don't jump as high and whatnot. I may not run as fast at this point, but I'm going to kill you with all of this skill, right? And he was absolutely torching the Nets in that game. I believe he scored almost 40 points um, in that first game in Washington. And just watching that live and seeing that he was truly back and seeing that he could still dominate the NBA, it just, it, it's one of my brothers and I, like our favorite moments. Um, watching Michael Jordan. And then obviously his layup versus the Nets, which people try to act like it's a regular reverse layup and players do it all the time. But he jumped not from a baseline angle on that layup, Andrew. He jumped from like a part of the paint in front of the basket, like a few feet in front of the basket. And he maneuvered through multiple defenders and finished it on the opposite side of the rim. That is not a normal reverse layup. No. That the the degree of difficulty is absolutely ridiculous on that. So that is another one. Um, honestly, any time that I go on YouTube and I watch MJ highlight reels, whether they're and you know two hours long, like the fifty point timeline that used to be on there from Bruce Blitz, um, or whether it's an eight minute video and whatnot put to music or without music, and it's just him throwing it down on defenders, uh, you know, getting out in the open court and doing slam dunk contest style dunks, you know, him flying through the air and adjusting his shot. Um, just the aesthetics of his game are totally unmatched, uh, more beautiful than Kobe, more beautiful than any player that I've ever seen. I, I feel like he perfected the game of basketball. And like I said, there's, there, there, I can't choose one real favorite real life moment. For MJ, I just I marvel at his highlights. Kevin Durant said the exact same thing. He said that, you know, how can you watch Michael Jordan and like not say that he's the greatest ever and whatnot? And I think multiple former and current players have said that. Um, I also want to say that Jamal Crawford recently stated we, we weren't even talking about Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan wasn't even part of this conversation, but he interrupted himself and he said, also, I want to mention, can we just not can we just stop comparing anybody to Michael Jordan? He's the greatest to ever do it. And he's sick of seeing those comparisons. I just think Jordan perfected the game on both offense and defense and yeah, just unbelievable. Wholeheartedly agree. My YouTube subscriptions and recommendations are a lot of nineties NBA highlights with a uh, skew towards Michael Jordan, of course. Just some great channels that I'm subscribed to. Yeah, it, it is tough to pick just one. 
those are some of the ones that came to mind for me. As far as the Wizards years, of course, scoring that 30,000 points against the Bulls, ironically, that great block on Ron Mercer, of, you know, chasing him down after, uh, chasing him down for the revenge block and the two-handed block off the glass. Again, still had some hops at that age. But yeah, just trying to pick one. Yeah, it's uh, put me on the spot and those are the ones that came to me today. But ask me again next week and I might have another one. Yeah, I mean, how many moments do I need to bring up? You know, the double nickel game, you know, the the how many game winners did he hit? All of them are enjoyable to watch. I mean, he hit a bunch of them with the Wizards, right? Right over Sean Marion and whatnot. And uh, he hit a game winner against the Cavs with the Wizards as well. He scored 50 against the Hornets as a Wizard, right? I think he put in 45 on the Nets and just ripped to shreds uh richard jefferson jason kidd Kenyon martin and whatnot they tried so many different defender defenders on him and he just absolutely torched every single one of them so you can even go to his wizard years and pick out moments that could be you know a favorite and whatnot that mid to late 80s jordan was just absolutely unreal you know i wasn't able to see those games live and whatnot but there's a bunch of them on youtube and i go back and watch those full games and he is just a freak andrew even in his rookie season even in his first 10 games he was the greatest basketball player i've ever seen against the spurs and the bucks and whatnot in his rookie season just flying through the air and posterizing people um his speed and quickness his dedication to defense his ability to shoot the mid-range shot his shot adjustments in the air his acrobatic layups just there's too many great moments in mj's career to just pick one you just have the the highlights on the court just how skilled he was at the game of basketball the the winning the statistical accomplishments i follow jerry hairston jr mj advocate on uh, x and i see him talking about some of the, those statistics and basically whenever he does he says it always comes back to mj when somebody posts uh, some kind of statistical accomplishment for a player and the only the player to do it or to best it has been mj and as he says it just comes back to mj and uh Wembenyana recently was one of the fastest players to tally at least five in every major statistical category in his rookie season after so many games having at least one game with five in each of those categories the only player faster michael jordan yeah i mean how many graphics do we need to see with michael jordan on them you know it's not just points per game and whatnot it's winning stats right it's you know how long he went without losing back-to-back games that ridiculous streak right um the fact that he played the majority of games available in his entire career right he his he strived to play 82 games every single season you know it's the fact that he has six nba championships and just countless awards not only for his offensive play but also his defensive play and also because of his leadership and whatnot um yeah i'm if you can't tell i'm a big fan yeah of yeah michael jordan now i mean we could just go on and on for a whole two three hour show about michael jordan Derek. easily so let's see what the community has to say about their favorite MJ moments and video games I like to use him in. Uh, Roger Ward, again, one of the Live at One legends, says, I like playing with Jordan in Live 2003 on the Wizards, where he was a mid-range master and still had some hops. The 98 Bulls on 2K19 are fun to play with too. And yeah, I, I love playing with those classic teams in the uh, recent 2Ks. 2K14 obviously is my game of choice uh, <laughs> these days. And... Yeah, Life Lesson 3 with the Wizards. Unfortunately, they gave him the wrong dunk package. He very rarely dunks in that game, as we know. 
which is the opposite from the 2K series where he's throwing it down like prime MJ at that point in NBA 2K3 and whatnot. You can get to the hoop with MJ and he'll throw down some of his signature dunks and whatnot. I think that um, the best dunk that MJ had in real life as a wizard was actually in the 2002 all-star game where he went baseline and dunked it on Tim Duncan. If you remember that one. Oh yes. Um, and I think that was his best dunk as a wizard. And Nate star show, the other live and one legend adds NBA live 2001, not surprisingly and NBA 2k 14. I know they've been playing a lot of uh, 2k 14 for PS3 posting some great highlights with MJ there. You can see those on the uh, live and one legends channel. BBA tech dad says, too many for real highlights, but two that he watched live. Uh, the switch of the hands against the Lakers in the finals. The spectacular move, of course, Derek. And second against the Nets, going from one side of the basket to the other. Seems like he was up there forever. That's the one you mentioned. Uh, Horace Grant's favorite MJ play, as it happens. So yeah, that, absolutely incredible move there. Also mentions, video game-wise, Jordan versus Bird. And the first time firing up 2K11 and all of his moves, they got down. Makes me wish from my NBA eras they would have signature moves from most of the top stars of the 80s and 90s, like Tim Hardaway's crossover. And yeah, once again, it goes back to what you said about 2K11, how they just really went all out on the authenticity. So two things. One, the spectacular move by Michael Jordan against the Lakers, the switching hands layup. Uh, a lot of people, again, they state that you know he didn't need to do that uh, and whatnot. He made it more difficult than it needed to be. But I'm pretty sure they interviewed MJ about this. And it, what I see on video corroborates what he says. He states that he thought that Sam Perkins was going to jump to block him. And you can actually see where, you know, from the hand that he switched off of, where Sam Perkins looks like he's about to jump to swat that shot. So I think he was, he switched hands due to anticipation and it just ended up being a spectacular move. I think, I think he thought that that was necessary to do. It wasn't just like showboating and whatnot. He also mentioned um, Jordan versus Bird and, you know, the ability to use Jordan in a slam dunk contest was a huge deal back then i told you that um D- jordan versus bird is the second basketball video game that i ever played after double dribble and i can't even tell you how many times we went in to use jordan in that dunk contest and you know in our mind pretending like it's the real michael jordan and doing the kiss the rim dunk and stuff that you've seen jordan do in games and in the dunk contest and whatnot. And I think that the animations that play out on Jordan versus bird for the NES are actually very realistic in comparison to how Jordan did those dunks in real life. So yeah, that's Jordan versus bird is a forgotten gem. Yeah. He and uh, Larry bird actually had some input into the development of that. Yeah. I mean, you can see, you can see the effort that was put Mm. into that game. And as a result, it was a popular title. So not surprisingly, 2K11 is a a popular choice here. Once again, as you said, the authenticity was just off the charts in that game. Uh, Bucky T says, definitely 2K11, but I can't deny I loved using him in Live 2002. Also, Wizards Jordan, of course. Uh, My favorite series with MJ was probably Bulls vs. Jazz in the NBA Finals back-to-back in 1998. Sticky Fingers also says, 2K11, the game itself was so ahead of any of the sports game and the Jordan Challenge was incredible the double nickel game, and his last two minutes as a player of the Chicago Bulls being his favorite real-life moments. Boy 88 says, NBA 2K11, of course. That intro alone still gives me goosebumps. Understandable. Uh, Mike Harshman also says, NBA 2K11, many of us at Operation Sports developed over 30 years of full rosters. It's the only basketball game I still play today on my 360. 
and Teddy Bear the Gamer. It would honestly be a tie between 2K11 or 2K23. He was unstoppable on 2K11, and it had all of his signature moves, like the reverse slap he did against the Nets, and I can't forget the move against LA in the 91 Finals. 2K11 even had that move. But 2K23 Jordan played exactly like he did. And hey, Teddy Bear the Gamer has sent you quite a few Jordan highlights from 2K23 for the top 10. You know, I also want to point out, you know, we talk about 2K once being the darling of not only basketball gaming, but sports gaming in general. Look no further than how, like, the reception to NBA 2K11, right? And then the positive reception to 2K12, 2K13, 2K14, um, etc. They were once the darling of the sports gaming space, and now they are absolutely not. Um, So it's crazy how that that turnaround has happened. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my problems with the switch hand layup in the two K titles is they never have him getting high enough. He's way too low to the ground in the animation and sometimes doesn't look as authentic as it should. I wish they allowed him to get more air on that animation. Like he did, like he had in real life, but yeah, Teddy bear has always been a great contributor to the top 10. He submitted a lot of great Michael Jordan highlights. And a couple of responses from Facebook now. Mohammed says, always going to be the flu game in Game 5 of the 97 Finals as his favorite real-life moment. And James says, I like 2K14 because of the smooth animations. He also has the most beautiful face in that game. It is a pretty good face, although 2K11's is right up there as well. Uh, so shiny because of the graphics, the animation for his signature dunks are spectacular. And hey, there's a reason why I've equipped MJ's animation packages for my MyPlayer, Derek. Yeah, you can't go wrong there. I, I think that he has some of the most beautiful dunks in um, NBA history and also some of the most powerful. I mean, he really used to throw it down hard, not neat hard, but hard enough where, you know, he would shake the rim and shake the backboard and whatnot. I think that um, neat overall probably is the hardest non big man dunker ever. As far as like truly rocking the rim, I think as a center at Shaq. Oh yeah. Right. Uh, Darryl Dawkins, you know, possibly. Yeah, I still, yeah, I think um, Dawkins oftentimes was a little bit more about style than Shaq was. I think Shaq just wanted to rip the rim down every time he threw it down and just embarrass his defender. So um, I love the fact that NBA 2K14, not only for the PC, but also the Xbox One and PS4 versions, are consistently mentioned by people as one of their favorite 2Ks of all time because I know that you and I have spent thousands of hours with the different versions of that game and we can't get enough. It was the game that I've looked for so many years and I just glanced up at the uh, screen before I turned off my PS5 tonight and over 4,000 hours I've spent with that game in the last three years. Think about that. And it's a game that you didn't want to play at first when it was released because you you had some ill will towards... Mm. 2k nba live 14 was released so you wanted to spend a little bit more time with that and you never really gave it a chance when you you know first got your hands on it and i'm glad that you revisited it and i'm glad that you love it so absolutely all-time favorite now and thank you to everybody for sharing those michael jordan memories on the virtual hardwood and in real life alike Again, Derek, we could just go on and on about MJ, uh, the greatest of all time, in my humble opinion, and certainly my all-time favorite, and I just love watching his highlights to this day. And you can call me an old head stuck in the past if you like. I don't care. I will gladly go back and visit those highlights. It's not like I can't enjoy the modern game as well and highlights now. I'll always enjoy a fantastic dunk, Derek, a dazzling dunk or a basketball blooper, if you will. But no, MJ is always going to be a favorite. And yeah, salute to uh, MJ and happy 61st birthday. Yep, both on the virtual hardwood and in real life. It never gets old, you know, 
watching Jordan do his thing. So thank you to everybody who responded to the two mailbags. Um, combining both, we had probably around 130 responses. And Andrew and I are humbled by that, to be completely honest with you. We love the basketball gaming community. We love the fact that you interact with us in the show. And um, yeah, you know, keep it coming because, you know, we love doing this show every week but you folks are definitely the driving force to us releasing an episode every single week for sure we definitely appreciate your support of all of our content the podcast articles videos yeah we love that you love basketball gaming as much as we do so yes thank you for your responses and for always tuning in with that being said that has brought us to the end of this week's show once again thank you for tuning in and please join us again next week and every week is it on the nlsc mb-live.com our youtube channel or your podcast app of choice. In the meantime, we'd love it if you connect with us on social media. So Derek, go ahead and bug the handles. Yeah, you can reach me on X at D4Free G and at D4Free 84. I'm also on YouTube, D4Free, and on the NLSC, D4Free. I am Andrew in the forum and Andrew NLSC on X. The NLSC is on X and Facebook at the NLSC. We're also NLSC Basketball on Instagram and Threads. On YouTube, we are NBA Live Series Center. And of course, give a look to the NLSC itself, mb-live.com for everything we do for basketball video games so thank you once again for tuning in and until next time i'm andrew and i'm derek go get buckets everyone <laughs>